0: time to get a little personal. How's your business bank account looking? Is it growing and healthy or a bit neglected and sick? The thing is, if you don't have good financial literacy, you don't have a good business. So settle in because for the next 40 minutes, it's all about the money. Hi, I'm Sarah Spence. I grew a content agency from just me to 20 people inside two years. So you'd think I'd have my shit together. And even though I try to come at everything with a rebellious curiosity, I've been so focused on growing this thing that I'm a bit behind in the trends. Join me on this journey to find out what's actually happening in the world of marketing. Welcome to the Content Rebels. Money makes the world go round, but... Plenty of us, myself included, aren't very good at it. Why is that? Why can we, as intelligent, capable professionals and leaders, why can we manage a marketing or business budget to within an inch of its life? But when it comes to our own finances or our business finances, we seem to have no idea what we're doing. Molly Benjamin is the founder of the Ladies Finance Club. And you might think she's got it all worked out when it comes to money. But she's actually pretty open about that not being the case. Like, that's why I started my business, because I wasn't, like, amazing at money. She may not have known everything about money back then, but as her business has grown, so has her knowledge. And now, if there's one thing Molly loves talking about, it's... Well, I think you might know. Love talking about money on a Thursday morning. So let's talk about money, about how to make it, how to keep it, and how to spend it very wisely in business and marketing. But first, how did someone who didn't know much about money start a finance club?
1: I started Ladies Finance Club because I was really bad with money. And I was working for our bank. Um, and what I noticed as well was a lot of my girlfriends weren't very good with money. And a lot of the women I worked with in the bank weren't very good with money. I remember this one conversation I had with a, uh, a work colleague and she got a bonus and I was like, awesome, what are you going to do with it? And she was like, oh my God, I'm going to buy a handbag. And I was like, do you have property? And she's like, no. I'm like, cool, do you invest? And she's like, no. And I'm like... Surely there is something better she can be doing with this money to set herself up. Like, absolutely. I'm all for treating yourself, but this was a very expensive handbag. And I just thought, what is going on here? How come guys my age are buying property and they're investing in the share market and we're struggling to pay rent? We have no emergency funds and we are spending every cent we earn. We can be so good at managing budgets in the corporate world. Um, but when it comes to our personal finances, you know, we just kind of keep our head in the sand. It's a little bit too hard. It's confusing. We're not sure what we're meant to be doing. So we do nothing. Like I've had accountants rock up to my budgeting events and they're like, I do this for like millions of dollars, but I don't really do it for myself. Um, so, you know, I realized then, okay, we needed to do something about this. Women money stats, super grim, living longer, five years longer, earning less, still a pay gap in pretty much every country. Um, and what that means is we're retiring with a lot less. We have a lot less control over our lives. You know, if we have control over our money, we have control over our lives. Um, and what I was seeing as well was my, a bunch of my mom's friends who just didn't have this control over their life. And that demographic of going, one of the highest growing demographics of women experiencing, sorry, people experiencing homelessness is single women over the age of 55. And it's actually getting worse. And I was like, all right, we need to do something about this. Like I don't want to live with this problem. I don't want this to happen to me, my sisters, any of my friends, anyone, any female. Um, so I started literally running events in my living room with my girlfriends, glass of Prosecco, some pizzas. And we outgrew my living room, started running events. And then we started running corporate workshops and we started getting banks reaching out to us being like, hey, can you run some workshops with us? Um, and it's kind of grown from there. Now we've had about 35,000 women through our program. We did a roadshow all around Australia last year. I bought out a book. We just bought out a journal with um, the founder of Kiki K, Christina Carlson's new company, Dream Life. And so what it shows is women actually want to learn about this, but they want to be communicated to in a way that... Isn't male pale, stale, boring, blue? Death by PowerPoint. Stick a fork in my eye because it's so boring. They, we, and, and this stuff can be fun. It can be engaging. And you know, we're getting our money shit together. It's and when and when you see these women who have no ducks in a row, then they get the ducks in the row. You see the confidence and the empowerment that comes with that. It's like freaking awesome.
0: That's so amazing. H- how did you go about actually teaching us? You said you're bad with money. So how how did you teach yourself all of this stuff? Well, this has been the best thing because I've
1: been on the journey with the ladies. Yeah. So, you know, we run masterclasses every single month. I get to interview the best people in Australia on my podcast. So I've been going on this learning journey as well. But what it means is I am coming from a place where I kind of know what my audience doesn't know because I find with finance people, sometimes they're just like, how do you guys not know that? And I'm like, because we were never taught it. We don't know this. Our brains don't think this way. Like you know, you go, oh, the ASX is up five basis points. That doesn't mean shite to us. Um, and so there's this real coming in at a different level that I find that then I can kind of take the the women on this journey as well, and we can help break it down um, and demystify it because there's a lot of jargon. And I'm like, wouldn't it it'd just be easier if we said it this way? And they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, cool, let's just do that. then.
0: <laughs> I know so much jargon. I worked for a bank for four years and I, I learned a lot about money, but still not enough to actually <laughs> properly apply it myself.
1: And I think there's a lot of um, when people do work in a bank, like we don't work in investing. We don't work in like, and it doesn't even matter if you do work in like the accounts department, but you know, we might work in other departments, but there's still like this kind of embarrassment, like, oh, we should probably know about this because we work for a bank. But what I've noticed is like, no, nah, that is like our very first event in London, 50% of the audience worked in financial services. So that's just like a... Yeah. That's not true at all.
0: (laughs) I know. And I feel like we could have a whole other conversation about financial education in the school setting, but we're here to talk about marketing and content and about money in relation to that. So (laughs) we'll keep it focused on that. Why do you think we are our own worst enemies when it comes to money? There must be something about that combination that makes us feel so fraught with those pre-existing ideas that hold us back. Why do you feel like it's easier for us to manage money with confidence when it's not our own. Yeah. It's
1: a really interesting one. And if you look at, you know, when we go to negotiate for things, we're a lot better at negotiating when it's not ourselves and it's not our own salary. So I think there's a number of reasons for this. Um, I think one is as a society, women are still not socialized to talk about money. And you know, I, I always reflect on why is this, and like I can come up with a number of reasons, but I think a big one is like, you know, it, our grandmas didn't have control over their own money. Like we haven't been having these generational conversations for very long, whereas guys have been controlling the money forever. Um, but you know, like my grandma couldn't open a credit card with her own name. She couldn't open a uh, get a home loan in her own name. Like you know, you had to have a male signatory, or you had to be opening it with a partner. Mm. Um, so I always reflect on that. And then also we are very, we're delivered very different messages about money as well. Women are very, it's very focused on saving, keep your money in cash, which women are very good at doing. We're very good savers. But unfortunately, investing your money is what grows your money. And those conversations haven't been had. I look at my parents. My dad has an investment club. My mom doesn't. I said, mom, why don't you have an investment club? She's like, none of my friends, like I want one, but none of my friends would join. So there's definitely like this big piece around like, I think culture, society and, you know, in other cultures, women do manage the money, but, you know, even this thing of like, it's rude to talk about money, bills are paid behind closed doors. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Another thing is I think confidence, um, you know, women like to be really confident at something before they do it. Um, money, we have less of it just because of how the how the world is. you know, we're more likely to be caregivers, whether that be family or elderly parents. Um, we're more likely to be flexible have flexible working part time, which means we have less money to manage and invest with and grow our wealth. Um yeah, so I think, look, there's a number of di- there's a number of different reasons, but um starting to educate yourself, you can turn that around. Mm,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I just looked it up. The, the first opportunity that women had in Australia to open their own bank accounts, which I'm sure, you know, it was 1974. Yeah. That's only like, I oh, mean, 1974, oh not that long ago. Like that was 10 years before I was born. So, you know, well and truly into my, my parents' adulthood, yeah. for instance, like that's just like, there has been so much progress, not enough, so much progress for women, but I think all of us in this time, like we look at that and we're like, yes, and we're part of it. And it's amazing, except we forget that it's actually so new. (laughs) It's so new. And
1: yeah, absolutely. And we are progressing in so many places, which is fantastic. But I don't know, but it seems to be when it comes to our finances, we're still not. Or we still like, it's changing slowly, um, but it's still not fast enough. There's still way too many women I speak to who aren't investing or who let their partner look after their money uh, because they're better at it than they are, where that's just not true. They've done research. They've done surveys. Men and women are equally as competent. Men have more confidence. And guess how they get more confidence? Because they do it more. So, you know, and actually what research also shows is women make better long-term investors.
0: Hmm. So let's just take a moment to reflect on that. Did you hear it? Women are better long-term investors. But we've only been in control of our own money in the very recent past. I'm bamboozled by the idea that women only gained control of their bank accounts in 1974. What is with that? But if finance is something that is so new to just over 50% of the population, just why do we make better investors in? I had to find out more. We're less um, panicky. We're more
1: goal-based um, investors, which means when the market gets rocky, we don't care because we know we're long-term investors. We have our goal here. Our short-term goals is in cash.
0: And I, I love hearing that, and it's it's great. Yeah, amazing. I know it's, it's – it, it, I've – I, I'm very financially motivated. I always have been as a person, you know, I started um, like, I think I had my first business when I was like seven years old or whatever, offering, you know, massages for a dollar to my parents.
1: Oh my God, me too. Oh, did you? Yeah, I had packages as well. I was like, do you want the deluxe? I'll make you a cup of tea. Yeah. The, the premium, you can use my Game Boy for half an yeah. hour. I love it. We were like entrepreneurs from like seven years old.
0: Indeed. Absolutely. I know mine was like, you You could pay extra to have Enya playing. Um, and like to really add candles on to really set the mood, um, but but I've always and I I know I see people's faces like I I talk about money quite a lot, um, but I've had to stop myself because there are just any I like I'm actually really interested in how people live and how they yeah. like what do you earn and how do you spend your money because there must be like for a long time uh, and this is getting personal but for a long time my husband and I had had almost nothing. Like we really, really had had nothing. And um I was just always so curious about all of our friends and other family members and stuff. I'm like, how do you actually do it? Because we're trying not to rack up credit card debt and we're trying to, you know, still be live a lifestyle that we want to live. Yeah. But like, how do you do that? But of course nobody wants to talk about it, which is so annoying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's so fascinating when they do. So we have these accountability sessions at Ladies Finance Club where everyone jumps on and a lot of the time it always comes back to spending mm. and like, "Oh, I'm still spending too much. How do I um, you know, how do I stop spending?" and um, but it's really interesting to hear the different ways people are managing money. But, you know, there's some real basics that I think really help people, but it's just being like you've got to be aware of what you're spending. Um, you've got to even know what that figure is and so many people don't.
0: Yes, and even when you do, it's it's such an ongoing practice, isn't it? Because you, it never ends. It's it's like exercise or you know eating well. Like it is exactly. a continued, disciplined practice. Because we have done like cash flow budget things and kind of done a plan, etc. But unless we're literally tracking it, and I'm getting app alerts to say, "Hey, you're you know, twenty dollars away from your monthly coffee limit." Um, I, it's like out of sight, out of mind. And because we don't use cash anymore, it is just so, it's like, oh, if I tap and gosh, the, now we're going off on another tangent, but I feel worried for for my children with, and and this generation, because their association with money is just, oh, well, it's always there in a phone. It can just. It totally, and And I think,
1: um, especially with ATMs, like I've heard kids say, oh, it's just free money. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to teach kids about a cashless society, but that's what they're going to grow up Mm -hmm. with.
0: So, yeah. Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. Well, we do, we do lots of, you know, you have to earn things as you, you know, all of that kind of stuff and a bit of cash, a bit of spriggy. Um, you know, kind of do yeah. your jobs, tick off your chores, that money can, and determine.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And people can use like, um. I've heard what, I know we're going off tangent here, but I've heard what's quite popular is people use like substitute money. So they're still giving them that money, but then they give it to them and they, then they go, okay, well, I want to, this is what I'm saving for. Here's like my monopoly style money. Mm. And then they get to cash it in for the actual yeah. thing. Cause it is, it's yeah. about teaching the value of money when you can't see it. It's hard.
0: Um, lots of our listeners, uh, we know they're small business owners and freelancers. And of course I know being one myself and you are too, that it's so hard to prioritize your own like individual financial needs when you're running a business. Often it's us as the founders who are the ones taking the pay cut in order to invest in the business or to grow the team or whatever. Yeah. What advice do you have for us?
1: Um, Look, yeah, it, it's a tricky one, especially when you're starting out and you've kind of maybe stepped away from your full-time job and you're being paid. But I think like a couple of just like key principles um, is pay yourself first when you can. Like it's so important to um, make sure you work out kind of what is the minimum amount you need to live on. So what are like, and this is for when you're starting out, obviously, um, what's, what are your minimum? What are your fixed your What are your needs, not your wants? So what are the four, they call it the four walls of your house. So your rent or your mortgage, your utility, your bills, your food, groceries, and then um, transport. So what's that coming to? And then that gives you like a base goal of how much do you need to be focusing on making minimum. Um, and then obviously like anything on top of that should be like, should definitely be the goal. But if you can be familiar with those figures, I feel like that definitely helps because you're like, okay, this is, this. Is, I know I need to make this to cover basic costs. Something I see a lot of business women not do as well as pay themselves super. It just has to be a non-negotiable. You have to be paying yourself super. People say, my business is my super. Look at COVID. How many businesses did that wipe out? You need to be putting money away for your retirement. Again, I know that's hard when you're starting out. We've all been there. And I even like picked up a second job when I was starting my business just so I could have money coming in and money going into my super as well.
0: I have to stop here. Honestly, this is community service announcement time. Super. Pay yourself super. Before you even do anything else, to be honest, super has to be your priority. I know it's often the last thing that you want to think about when you're growing a business, but Molly is so right. As business owners, as career-driven people, we need to focus on our numbers, know our numbers, and pay ourselves super. Okay, now that's out of the way. So after super, what comes next? Yeah, putting that tax
1: away as well and being really strict with yourself on putting that tax away first. um, One of the accountants who was on our session the other day, she had a great hack. It was like at the end of a week, she looks at how much has come into her account and then she just puts away like the uh, whatever percentage it is for her, the 30% straight into a um, separate bank account. And then she just knows, okay, that's my money. There's also for any sole traders listening, um, Henry, um, H-N-R-Y, fantastic for sole traders. They sort out all your tax. You get paid into your Henry account. They take out your Medicare. They take out your tax. They take out your GST. They can even invest money for you if you want. And then you know what hits your bank account is yours to spend. And then when that money hits your account, it's working out, okay, what am I going to do with that? I'm someone who can't work from one bank account. I need to know, I need my fund money separate to my living expenses, to my goals. So I literally will have like my fun money account, my living expenses, or what I call it, my adulting account. Boring, but very necessary. Um, and then money for my future. And having that, um, it's hard I think as well when you run your own business to automate that because you don't know sometimes when the money is coming in, you don't know when you're going to be paid. Um, but if you can know the baseline of, okay, how much do I need as a minimum to come in and making sure that that's always a priority and you always have that covered.
0: Um, and obviously that changes as your business becomes more successful and grows. Absolutely. I was going to say that too, that it is, you know, figuring out those percentages on day one is again, another one of these, you know, disciplines and these practices just need to be continual because you, that changes and, you know, your expenses change as a percentage of your business as it grows and all of that stuff.
1: And full, like full confession, I'm still nailing it myself. Like I wouldn't say I've got a down pat but I'm in the position now where I've got a little bit more flexibility, but like, it's freaking tough at the start. Like, I, I, you know, like, God, you've got to want it bad. Cause it is,
0: it can, it's hard. I know. And I know so many, you know, really successful female business owners who have a couple of years in ended up unfortunately with, with really massive tax bills and other things because they've, they've put their trust. I think, you know, one of my biggest tips, I think, for people starting out is actually don't put your trust in an accountant or a bookkeeper about your finances. Yeah, Part of starting your business has to be educating yourself and becoming financially literate because otherwise you can end up in, yeah. in like, even when things are going really good after a few years, you can end up in a really t- tight situation.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I talked to my accountant, like when I first started, my accountant was someone who I spoke with like once a year. I probably speak to my accountant once a week. Mm-hmm. Like I've got questions all the time. I, um, We do tax planning. We like, I am like on the, I'm on speed dial with them. And I think that's something that people don't do enough. Accountants are so smart. They're like business advisors. So make sure if your accountant isn't um, supporting you, make sure you get a good accountant that you've got, you can build a really good relationship with who knows your business really well. Um, and yeah, but you, definitely you've got to be across your own numbers. What I also started doing as well is actually getting like a CFO coach to come in and help me with my numbers. Because again, like I started my business cause I was not good with money. So with my business finances, what I was finding was the same thing. I was keeping my head in the sand. I was kind of like, oh, but then when I bought in a coach who could then explain to me what's going on, really sit down with me. This is how zero works. Okay. Um, This is your financial picture. I was like, okay, cool. Okay. I'm getting this, but it definitely takes time.
0: Yeah, it, it really does. And yeah, you really need, I think not just an accountant, but an account who also offers that advisory. Cause I think I, I ended up shopping around for several years, different accountants and continually saying, look, I really want this help from you. And they would say, yes, yes, I can provide you that stuff. But it was like all they were doing were printing out the reports and saying, so you've spent this much here and this much here. And I was like, but I need that extra layer of, of advice and learning from you. And it wasn't then until I found an accountant who I was like very specific, like I need actually the advisory first. Yeah. And I also need you to be doing the numbers. And, and now we're, we're on a good wicket. That's great. Yeah. And a good accountant will do that as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What lessons can you um, help us learn to feel more confident more confident charging what we're worth? Um, That's also, you know, about speaking up in rooms where we need to ask for more budget, but also just ask for a pay rise if we're working in-house, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So I think when it comes to um, asking for a pay rise, negotiating your salary, um, have the data there. So, you know, What have you bought into the business? Why are you such a? Why would this business hate to lose you? You know, it can be really hard to remember what you're doing every day to day. But you you might be achieving all these great things, but you know if they're not written down, you don't remember. Like, and Maggie Palmer, who wrote uh, created an app called Pep Talker. She has this great kind of saying where she's like, I can't remember what I had for dinner two nights ago, let alone what I did in my role like a month ago. So really like what I used to do in the corporate world and I was in marketing in the corporate world is every Friday afternoon, I'd have a calendar, five minutes. I would just write down the top three things I did that week. And it might have been like, um, finished this campaign. I got this X feedback, great feedback um, or did you know, organized X event. Um, And then what it meant was when it came to my review, I had a huge list of everything I had achieved. Um, So when I went to negotiate my salary, I had a lot more pulling power because they were like, oh, my God, you've done so much. And I'm like, yeah, I have done so much. Look at all the stuff I've been doing. Um, Another great hack she shared, which I share with women that literally one of our members started doing the next day and then her boss started doing it to her boss the next day was just sending, uh, depending on your relationship with your boss, how many people they're managing, uh, fortnightly or monthly sum up of what you've been doing. And this works well, I think for marketing as well. So you're like, Hey, this month I focused on XXXX want to check. This is still the priority area. Next month I'm going to be focused on XXX. Can you confirm that this is, um, this is right? Because what that is also doing is keeping you front and center of your boss's mind. They might be managing like 20 people. If you're the only person doing that, like they're going to be like, yeah, you're, you're just going to be more front and center. So if you're asking for that extra budget, if you're, uh, you know, they know what you're up to, they know what you're doing. Um, and again, like when you go for that pay rise or that negotiation or that new job, you know, like they're not just going to be like, oh, what's Julie been doing this whole time? they know exactly. So it's just having that data, that evidence. And then in the book as well, I've got a whole chapter on salary negotiation. It's called Mind the Gap. And um, yeah, just other like tips and tools. Um, And then also just like some scripts you can follow as well. And, you know, the fact that you don't always, sometimes I find as women, we get offered a job and we're like, yes, thank you for employing me. But like, we've got to be negotiating like companies expect you to negotiate. And I always use the example because I love this. And I think it kind of hopefully it helps motivate women to negotiate. Um, I've heard of companies not uh, uh, take someone on for the role because they didn't negotiate. And they're like, they're not negotiating. What are they going to be like with our suppliers? So again, like use that as fire if you need something. Or pretend you're negotiating on behalf of your 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 kids your family your future holidays your fur baby whatever it is
0: yeah you've really got to see yourself i think as a stakeholder as someone you know yeah worthy of of investing in
1: exactly and we we are our own businesses so why would like you've got to think about it from a business point of view as well why would a business want to keep you around why are you so important to this company you know it's not about you it's about them and what you're doing for them
0: yeah such a good shift in mindset and I think all of that also applies to any freelancers or small business owners too, because ultimately it's, it's the same. It's just, you're you like, go keep a track record of all the nice things that your client said about you, all the good feedback and keep a track record, obviously of what you're doing, um, whether that's sending them weekly status reports or uh, or a monthly summary or tracking the results. And then you can, you know, you want to make it really easy for them yeah. at the end of the project or the end of the retainer. You want to make it easy for them to just say yes to more. Yeah. Um, and if you're coming back at that point trying to remember what you did over the last six months, then you're not going to have a good story to tell.
1: Exactly. And we always do like beautiful docs up as well with we like, like when we work with a partner or something, we'll do a beautiful like, wrap up. like This is everything that we've achieved since we've been working together. Here are the screenshots, here are the results, but it's all delivered really beautifully. And they're always like, oh, wow, thanks. That's nicer than just like your usual word doc.
0: Absolutely. Oh yeah. Design is so, uh, so important. Even I'd say in in going for roles when we've been recruiting over the last Uh, over the last year, a couple of years, really, those who spend that extra half an hour creating a nice, even if it's just their CV, not the cover letter, but a nice CV with, you know, a photo of themselves, um, some, you know, easy design elements that you can get just in the free version of Canva, um, presenting yourself visually and what you do visually is it makes you stand out from the crowd.
1: Totally. But I think where it differs as well is we've just done a CV course and they're like, uh, for their new, the algorithms and the AI that are reading CVs, they can't be designed or it can't be in boxes. So they want really plain. So I think if you're applying for a job directly with a small company, go nuts. If it's going to be read by AI, that's where you need to kind of put it in quite plain layman terms. So whether you're going through a recruiter or not. So yeah, there are some very important differs there because it might not even get through the um, algorithm if it's too designed up or because it can't
0: read tables. Oh, that's so interesting. Wow. Okay. That's a whole other thing. Right. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Anyway, I just thought I'd put it out there. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. No, that's, that's
1: incredible. We've got a great CV course, but there was so much stuff. I was like, I had no idea about that. That's really interesting. Oh, wow.
0: Well, isn't that something? So if you're handing your CV into a basically a computer to read it and make a decision on you before a human has, it needs to be plain design. But if you're sending it to a human, you can absolutely go nuts in Canva. You learn something new every single day. I've been fascinated by everything I could learn about women and money from Molly. But Molly is also a really successful business owner. And has a business with great marketing. Honestly, I love the Ladies Finance Club aesthetic and all their social content. So I asked Molly something that wasn't at all to do with money. I asked her where her focus lies when it comes to a marketing perspective. This is great. This is
1: the question I've never been asked before. Um, but for me, brand has always been like super important. And like my big thing is like breaking it down, making it easy, making it accessible. And, um, I think, yeah, like when I started my business, like you're doing everything. So I was graphics. I was the graphic designer. I was, I created the logo myself back in the day, like before I could like afford help or any of that stuff. Um, so I've definitely seen it, um, change over the years, especially as we've been able to like bring on experts, um, who can create really nice posts, not just me, but yeah, I think we, we really focused on Instagram because that was where our audience was. And it's like, it was also the, um, channel that I was most familiar with. I think with marketing, it's that thing, like you never feel like you're doing enough, but I've kind of had to come to terms with the fact that, look, I TikTok, I would love to be doing a TikTok every single day, but like the reality is I just don't have time. So we've kind of gone all in on one channel, which can be risky. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we also have like a social media presence on Facebook. We have like 12,000 women in our Facebook group, but yeah, I guess um, Instagram and marketing it. And we're quite organic in our marketing as well. Like we do do Facebook ads. We do do some Instagram ads, but like we will get a thousand people registered to event organically through our mail list and through our social media. But we do a lot of, um, yeah, we, we really do focus on building that email list as well and doing the lead magnets and trying to get people in. But it's always the case of like, oh, I could do so much more if I had more time and more resource. Um, but you can only do what you can do.
0: Yeah, and I think you—you know—you are so beautifully the face of the brand as well. And I love that. Um, for anyone who ha- doesn't follow Ladies Finance Club, please go and do so because um, Molly, as a person, the, I feel like then the Ladies Finance Club is just is the visual representation of you, or what I know of you. Of course, we're not like super close friends or anything, but but the you are bubbly and you are gregarious and you are fun and, um, you know, you're bold and you're interesting. And that's the brand visuals just capture all of that, which I think really, you know, it, it ties in so nicely.
1: Thank you. But it's actually interesting. I notice sometimes I'll like see things and I'll be like, Oh, maybe we need to be more, you know, it's so easy to compare. Maybe we need to be more like that. Or, but then I'm like, no, I want to be fun. I want to be bubbly. I don't want to be too serious. And there was a time where I saw it just going a bit too corporate, which is my background. But I'm like, no, that's boring. Gosh. So I always just do the like, is it fun? Does it make me want to read it? Um, Is it shareable? Uh, And if it kind of ticks those boxes and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's post it. But sometimes like, you know, like we're posting about super and sometimes that's like not the most exciting topic to post about. So it is a lot of the time, like how do we engage the women who need this the most? And like this information is like, you know, it's it's a lot. Like we posted, uh, like it's end of we're recording this in um, June, so we're coming up to end of financial year. And for women who are earning under like forty seven thousand, or they are part time workers or are stay at home moms, like they contribute an extra $1,000 to their super. They'll get free $500 from the government. So it's these little things that like, I'm like, it's really important that you know this. So how do I like get you to engage with this information? So we're always thinking like, okay, how do we make this like share? Like how do we actually make this relevant and interesting and accessible? Mm.
0: And I think, I mean, you've been doing that from the start, right? Yeah. that's And that's, well, I mean, I think that's served you so well because your, your following does keep growing and your business keeps growing, which is, which is awesome. And I think you have also ridden that wave from what I can see of, um, you know, the shift in the meta Instagrams, uh, the meta, um, algorithm, sorry, uh, to continue to create content that actually is engaging and is getting seen in the feeds as well.
1: Yeah. And I definitely think we focus on like value and education. Sometimes I think probably a little bit too much, but we don't, we don't really use it that much as a place to sell. Um, It's very much like you need, like, this is information we all need to learn, but yeah, probably that's probably
0: like, I probably speak to like experts who are like, yeah, you need to sell more, but anyway. What's one of the areas of marketing that you're keen to explore in the future?
1: Um I love video. My sister's a viral video maker and um I'm always like we need to make more video. Um so I would love to do more video, um, especially on TikTok. I like yeah, it, it's a it's a time suck, but I love it. Um and then the other piece is probably just around um YouTube. I'd love to explore more YouTube and TikTok. They're like, I would love to make those my new focuses. Um, but also getting quite obsessed with chat GPT as well. And just like the, the well that it has opened up as far as like content. And I'd heard a guy speak at an AI conference a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, you people are going to be in two boats. They're going to be, um, creating with AI or they're going to be consuming with AI. And we don't want to be consuming. We want to be creating. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. I keep, I keep remembering that when I get like stuck in like these TikTok algorithm, um, you know, and you're like, what am I watching? Oh, how to make like chicken, chili con car. Great. Um, even though I went on there to, you know, look at some budgeting videos. Um, so yeah, I think I'm quite excited about TikTok and YouTube.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And video is definitely the future. We were looking at some video stuff the other day. We, we do video as part of what we offer and the, the, the more recent stats all around the engagement and also the retention of information and video versus, and, and video with, with a human, not just, you know, text, but video, a human delivering information is just so much greater.
1: Yeah. So cool. And especially with what we're seeing with AI, like the other day I saw you, like, I mean, I did it on Canva. It wasn't very good. I look like, oh, a Barbie doll who just had like their wisdom teeth taken out. I AI'd I, 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 myself and I was like, hello, what are your money beliefs? Anyway, it didn't look good, but I was like, the future is coming. And I could actually, what I've seen on other platforms is you can change your language as well. So I could be French. I could be a Kardashian. I could be Arabic. I could be speaking Arabic. Like it was just crazy what you can
0: actually do and what that means
1: for your business as well and courses and things like that.
0: I just saw a deep fake this morning um, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger as Elaine and um, the soup uh, character from Seinfeld. Um, and it was a deep fake where both of them were played by Arnie and it was, I mean, you know, that's just a, a funny application, but it is, yeah, we're in a, into a whole new world. Which brings us to our final question that we're asking everyone. Um, the chat GPT, do you see it as a friend, a foe or a flash in the pan?
1: Oh, absolute friend. is going to change the, I think where, um, a guy explained it really well at this AI conference. He's like, we're at, you know, when the first iPhone came out and it was like this clunky thing, apps didn't really work. It was a bit dodgy. Um, but it was the, the base. And now look where we're at. I think we're at like the first iPhone version and it's going to completely change the way we, the world works, but also hoping that legislation can keep up as well and like laws can keep up because it also comes with like issues that we don't
0: even know exist. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just even, yeah, the privacy data stuff and it's, it's a fantastic tool, but of course for many businesses, um, rightfully so, and particularly large brands are very wary of it because uh, when you put information into it, there's no guarantees that it is containerized and, and not able to be then retrieved by other places and other people, um, even though it's meant to keep it safe, but you, it's all sitting on a single server and you don't know that, of course. So, uh, it's, it's a complicated territory, but yes, I'm, I'm excited about the future with it too. Before we finish up, I guess I, I just have to ask, and perhaps we're ending kind of close to where we started, but you strike me as someone who has the confidence to say, yeah, I don't know that, so I'm going to learn about it. And I feel like I have that mindset too, but I didn't always. And it was actually a turning point was being okay with not knowing that's really helped me to grow my business. I wonder if that's something you felt too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like I just wrote a book on finance and I'm still like, oh, I don't know anything about money. Like, so it is like, you know, we, I think we never, we're we're hard on ourselves and we never feel like we know everything. And the world of finance is so massive. Like you just, you just won't. But I think like, like that was the whole basis of me starting my company was like, so from the get-go, I've been like, I'm not the expert, but we're gonna bring in the experts, we're gonna bring in the best experts, and we're gonna break it down together. And you're here, I've got you. We're in this space together, as opposed to me going like, and it was it was for a little while where I really felt that. Um, imposter syndrome where I'm like who am I to talk about money I have got like no money on my bank account back then um but you know so I think like I've been I think yeah I think my women have definitely that's what they've liked they've liked that I'm so open with it because like majority of them are in the same situation as me because we learned three blind mice from the recorder we
0: didn't learn how to do our tax which would have been a lot more helpful oh That would have been so much more helpful, hey? Proper, actual financial education. That would have made such a big difference to me as a teenager and a young adult. But here we are now, (gasps) learning it all together, thanks to Molly Benjamin and the Ladies Finance Club. Now, you know marketing may be about getting sales in the door, but as business owners, family members, even just being adults in an adult world... Knowing how to save and when and where to spend is paramount, not just to having a successful business, but also a successful life. Thanks for joining me on this journey. If you want to stay rebellious in how you practice marketing, how you show up in your workplace and how you live your life, please subscribe to the Content Rebels wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast was recorded on a Wabakul and Dark and country. Produced by Pod and Pen Productions.